All right. Well, praise the Lord. I just, I'm really out of my, I have my iPad. I have my husband's iPad. I don't have my Bible. So I'm, I'm learning. I'm sure pastor's proud. <laughs> but before I start, I, I just want to pray. I know we've prayed, but I want to pray again. Father God, I come before your throne. I thank you, my Father, my Heavenly Father, that you have seen fit to use me today. Father, I pray that you use me for your glory, Lord. But more than anything else, God, I pray that the ears that are hearing open and listen to what the Word of God has to say today. God, I pray for your anointing all over this house this morning. I pray the angels of the Lord to encamp around about every bit of this house in the name of Jesus. I pray your spirit rain down like manna from heaven and that you will set free your church. Set free your church, God, so that we can be busy going about doing your work. In the mighty name of Jesus, I give you this morning. I give you this day. I give you my mouth for one time to use for your glory. For one time to use for your glory. For surely the Lord knows my mouth runs a lot in other ways. But I choose today to let God use my mouth to bring forth his glory. In the mighty name of Jesus. You know, when we were, when Kim came up, and I, ju- I just have to share this because I feel like it's the same thing Kim was saying. When we were praying in, in that last part and worshiping the Lord, the Lord was telling me that we're digging so many wells that we're trying to quench our thirst with. And Kim kind of said the same thing. And we're we're running into these wells and we're we're trying to dip you know, into these to help us feel satisfied. And the Lord says, you're running to the wrong wells. You've got to come to the living water. You got to come to the water of life because that water, you will not be thirsty ever again. So quit digging your wells and quit drinking from all your little avenues and drink my water, says the Lord. And then you're, you won't thirst anymore. So today, um, I'm gonna, am I supposed to do the slide? No, okay, good, no, cause that is too much. <laughs> I'm like, he sent me an outline. I'm like, am I supposed to do that slide? This is enough. This is like using the backup mirror in your, your, that backup camera in your car. I just can't. I can't. I can't. I just can't. I have to use my rearview mirror. That's what using this iPad makes me feel like. So, the first scripture is 1 Corinthians sixteen thirteen, And this is what his whole outline is on for all the rest of us that's coming forward. And I have it in one of the versions from the Bible app. It says, keep alert. Be firm in your faith. Stay brave and stay strong. Show love in everything that you do. Because all those other three don't mean anything if you have no love. 
But I believe the very first part, because in this version that I have, it has a period after keep alert. It has a period. And so I put on Facebook the other day, does anybody have a bullhorn? Because I wanted to blast out, be alert, church, awake, awake, awaken your soul. Be awake, don't sleep, for he is coming. Be awake, be alert. First Peter 5 and 8 says, be on your guard and stay awake. Your enemy, the devil, is what? A roaring lion. He waits. You know how cats are? I have a lot of them. And when they're going after one of the birds outside that Paul prays over that the cats don't get, they scrouch so down to the ground and they're just like, that's how that lion is after us. That's why the word of God says be alert. And I'm glad the youth are in here because I felt like they needed to be. So praise God they are. You have to be alert, especially you guys today. Everything is so slippery, sliding, done, and brought in on like little pillow clouds of deceit that if you're not alert, you won't even see what's coming in and snatches you without even being aware. So many easy ways that we can be set up to be caught off guard. The definition, hold on, I wish this stayed open without me having to enter. The definition... Of staying, mm -hmm. maybe God says forget it. The definition of staying alert is to be ready, to be on guard, to warn. Oh, good, praise the Lord. Quick to notice any potential danger. A state, so all these three, so this first one, quick to notice any potential danger, that's an adjective. That means being quick. Paying attention. It's a state of being watchful, which is a verb. And then it's attentive to warn of danger or threat, which is a noun. And we're going to talk about all three of those today. So staying alert, being ready, being prepared. That's what God wants us to do. We must always stay alert and prepared. So I'm going to talk about Judges 2, 2 through 7. And praise the Lord, I don't have to hit that button. So I'm going to talk about Gideon's army. And when Pastor first texted me, you know, I, I, um, I, and asked me if I'd bring the word, I was like, uh, okay. And that's how I hoped he got it through the answer. Well, you got any ideas? And that's when he told me this. Well, immediately this came to my mind. Because it's a good example of being alert. And so it says, Gideon, your army is too big. I can't let you win with this many soldiers. The Israelites would not think that they had won the battle. The Israelites would think they had won the battle all by themselves and that I didn't have anything to do with it. You know, that happens to us. 
So call your troops together and tell them that anyone who is really afraid can leave Mount Gilead and go home. 22,000 left. They started with 32,000. 22,000 of them left with only 10,000 soldiers to remain. Can I have the next one? Gideon, the Lord said, you still have too many soldiers. Take them down to the spring and I'll test them. I'll tell you which ones can go along with you and which ones must go back home. When Gideon led his army down to the spring, the Lord told him, now watch how each man drinks water. Then divide them into two groups. Those who lap the water like a dog and those who kneel down to drink. 300 men scooped up water in their hands and lapped it. And the rest of them knelt down and bent over to drink. The Lord said, Gideon, your army will be made up of everyone who lapped the water from their hands. Send the rest of them home. I'm going to rescue Israel by helping you and your army of 300 defeat the Midianites. So why? Why do you suppose the Lord had him do it like that? Because if you're bent, first of all, if you're afraid, and I won't get on anybody else's stuff, but if you're afraid, you're going to be too afraid to fight. Because the fear is going to consume you. Secondly, if you're bent down being distracted, you're not going to see the enemy when they're crawling like that cat or lion. And they pounce on you. But if you scoop, and this is all analogies. If, well, in that it happened. But for us, it's, a, it's an analogy to, to realize how we need to be spiritually. If you scoop the water... And you're looking, and you're always aware of what's going on as you're drinking. The enemy's not going to snare you. The enemy is not going to snare you because you're going to be ready for battle. Well, how do I know how to do that? I mean, what do you mean, Adele, drinking water with your hands? What do you mean? What do you mean that in in today's world? That means praying. That means reading the Bible every day. You can't get a dose of it just on church. It won't sustain you to the next Sunday. So Gideon started off with an army of 32,000 men. He ended up with 300. Why? 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 Because God's not going to share his glory with anybody but himself. He knew that if they won that battle with all those men, they'd credit their own men. He didn't want them to credit their own men. He wanted glory. And it's the same way it is today. When God uses us mightily, don't you dare take that glory. That belongs to God and he won't share it with anyone. You see, we're nothing. When I was on the way over here this morning, I was, I was praying. God, I am nothing. I am nothing. I am a sinner just like everybody else that's been saved by grace. Just like everybody else. I am a nobody. I am a nobody, but in Christ I am something. And use me, Father. 
as your vessel to move through. Let my voice bring forth your word. And so, he's constantly, there's 34 different scriptures in the Bible about, that says, be aware or be alert or be awake. 34. And I've always been taught my whole life that when it's done more than once, he's trying to get across a point. When it's done more than three times, well, he's pretty much telling you this is the way it is. And so we've got to be alert 34 times. It says that in the Bible. And now I don't didn't give you guys this scripture, but I'm going to just talk through it. It's Matthew 25, 1 through 13. It's the parable of the 10 virgins. And the 10 virgins, let me give you the history first. Um, now, Mark, will he have your five-minute warning ready if I get too close? Um, the ten, so here's the history back, back in the Palestinian days and back in the times of Jesus, when they were getting married, it was a big ordeal. It was a week long event and the bride and her, her bridesmaids, they would be ready and they would fill their lamps because they never knew when he would be coming, when the bridegroom would, would be coming. So they had their lamps and they had them full of oil. So there were 10 of them with their lamps full of oil. And they were waiting and they were waiting and they were waiting. And all of a sudden, see, now God gives a warning before the coming. God will give you a warning before the coming. And I feel that the pastor heard from the Lord. I've been, listen, I've been in it for 38, 40 years. I've always heard that Jesus is coming. Well, I'm going to tell you something that's not a topic that gets talked about much anymore. Why? Because we have been lulled to sleep. Oh, yeah, we heard that. We heard that 3840. My grandparents would say uh, 80 years ago. I've heard it all my life. Well, you know what? That's how the devil rocks you to sleep. So, yeah, I don't know. He could come right now. Right at this very moment. He could come tonight. He could come tomorrow. He could come a hundred years from now. I don't care. Only God knows when he's coming, but I'm living every day of it as if it's going to be today. God wants us to be ready. So those ten virgins, they were ready. You know, they had their oil in their lamps. They were ready. And this whole time can last up to a week. And they're never knowing when the bridegroom's going to come. So here it is. They send out the watchmen to yell, The bridegroom is coming! The bridegroom is coming! The virgins woke up because they were asleep. They woke up because they were asleep! They woke up because they were asleep! And guess what they noticed? Oh! Their oil in their lamps had started to run low. Five of them went to the extra oil vessels that they brought and began to pour the oil in their lamps. The other five, they weren't ready. They were not ready. 
They didn't have vessels. They thought he was going to come while their lamps were burning. So they went after the other five virgins and virgins and they said, give me some of your oil. I'll buy it from you. Give me some of your oil. I'll buy it from you. And they're like, no, no, we can't because we still don't yet know when he's coming. We've just been warned that he's coming. If we give you of ours, we might not have enough for us. Go and buy. So they did. They went out in the streets trying to buy the oil. And when they had finally got what they needed from whoever they got it from, they went. Now, this is traditional. They went to where the feast was being done. And in that time, if they didn't make it at that first call, the door was shut to that wedding feast and they legit could not get in. Which is the exact same when that trumpet sounds. When that trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ rise first and those that are alive and remain are caught up to meet him in the air, there is no second chance. There is no second chance. We get second chances when we sin. God forgives us when we do something we shouldn't do. But there's no second chance at that day. You will either make it or you won't. And when you go to knock on that door to come in, guess what he says? Who are you? I don't know who you are. I'm sorry the door is shut. Is that the words that you want to hear? I'm not saying anybody in here is going to hear that. But I'm going to tell you what, there is a stirring up in the land. There is a stirring, and I'm going to say something to you right now. Everything prophetic has been done for the coming of the Lord, except for the great outpouring of the Spirit in those last days are on us now. It is coming right now. And if you could get ready to do that first video, I want you guys to watch this and be open-minded and just look at what possibly may come in our lifetime. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light. That it was good. Watch therefore, for you do not know the hour your Lord 
is coming. I want you to know, church, that Jesus Christ could come this month. Or he might come next week. Or he could even come... know the hour. We don't know the day. We don't know the time. All we know, for as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so will the coming of the Son of God. I'm very sensationalism. As anybody knows me, they know it. I should have been an actress, but I'm not, or a comedian. But I am who I am, and I'm who Christ made me to be. And I come from a time where they preached hellfire and brimstone. And I'm going to tell you what, there ain't nothing wrong with it. Because sometimes it'd scare the scare out of you. Well, I'm not here to scare you, nor do I want you to be afraid. But he is coming. And the only fear I want in you is the godly fear of not making it. I don't have to shake you and scare you to death to make you serve the Lord because it isn't going to work. But you do need to be ready. And are you ready? Are you ready? Because Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Oh, thank you, Father. Mm. So this is what this is where we are, are right now in, in this season of, of life. The church has been lulled to sleep. We've been lullabied to sleep. We want to be entertained. We want our pastor to be on fire all the time and entertaining. We don't want to really hear, ooh, ooh. You know what I'm saying? That makes us look inside of ourselves. We just want to hear what makes us happy. But God says, wake up, you sleeping giant, because we are a giant for God. And God says, wake up, you sleeping giant. In Luke 21, 34 through 36, do we have that? It says, be on your guard. Don't let the sharp edge of your expectations get dulled by partying and drinking and, oh, help me, Jesus, shopping. <laughs> Otherwise, the day is going to take you by complete surprise. Spring on you suddenly like a trap. For it's going to come on everyone, everywhere, at once. So whatever you do, don't go to sleep at the switch. Pray constantly that you will have the strength and the wits to make it through everything that's coming. And end up on your feet before the Son of Man. So pray constantly. Pray constantly. Pray constantly. You don't have to be in bondage to how long you pray, but you need to pray. 
You need to have fellowship. You need to have communion. You need to have a relationship with the king. And then pray for the strength and the wits to see the snares. Listen. I'm going to step on some toes. So I don't care if you go out. I don't care if you agree with me. I really don't give a care. There are so many things that are slipping in under us that we aren't even aware of. And we feed into it. On Facebook, I see all the time, what were you in your past life? What were you if you were in living in Jesus' day? What were you when you're this? What were you? Hello? Hello? What is that, you guys? It is witchcraft. Why do you need to know what you will be? What you were, because hello, I was not. I am and I will be in heaven. But there was a was not. Trust me, there's no other Adele. Thank God. Right, Paul? (laughs) He just got it. But it slides in. Listen, if the enemy comes up to you with a pot and a kettle and horns and a tail and let's throw some of this in the brew so we can stir up this to make that girl like you. Would you do it? But oh, if he slips in, if he slips in under the guise of something trickery and witchery and elf on the shelfie and oh, help me Jesus because I know I'm going to be hated by a lot with that. Because what moves that shelf around? Are you opening up a door for a spirit to do it? Really, you guys. I'm an old time person. But I ain't having no elf in the shelf. And I don't know what want to know what my past life was. Because I wasn't. I am who I am. And who God made me to be. Why am I saying this? I'm saying this because I want you to wake up. Wake up to the snares the devil is doing. Wake up, you guys. He wants to candy coat witchcraft. He wants to candy coat spiritualism. He wants you to depend on visions and dreams, which they're good. They're from God. But you can't depend on them. You have to depend on him. So what if you saw a vision of this or that or this or that? If it doesn't cause salvation and regeneration of your spirit, it's not from God. I'm telling you that. You find me in the Bible where it says to follow dreams and visions. You find me in the Bible where it says to let them sneak in little by little and then snatch you before you even are aware of it. So God always sends us the messengers to warn us. And that's what pastor's doing. He's created this whole series because he's trying to wake up the church. And I just thank the Lord that, that God's using me to, to help bring forth the word. You know, my husband won't even allow, you know, you can go from one end to the other, but he won't even allow certain things in our house that 
he feels is forms of idolatry, even though it may be just a simple statue. He just doesn't feel good about it. All right, so here we go. Are you ready? Because there's still more. How am I? Mark Willie? All right. He was going to put a, a buy post boards and stand behind me and say applause. Hallelujah. <laughs> you guys all got to have a Mark Willie, right? <laughs> so stay awake. Be vigilant for that day is coming on us when that trumpet's going to sound. First Thessalonians 14, 4, 17 says that. I'm going to, I'm going to tell real quick. Actually, I'm going to read it. As I was, you know, studying, all I got was Gideon. That was all I started off with. And Paul and I were talking, I think it was Wednesday. We were talking and then all of a sudden the Lord kind of finished what I was giving today. He kind of gave me the end of it. And so I went to Ezekiel 37. Hold on a minute. Ezekiel 37. And I didn't give this to you guys because it was kind of last minute. I must have passed it. Here it is. Sorry, guys. God, this is out of the Message Bible. I know our friend over there the other day had a, a thing. We were talking about something at Brenda's house. I don't remember what we were talking about. But he goes, yeah, that would be the message Bible. Do you remember that? God grabbed me. God's spirit took me up and set me down in the middle of an open plain, strewn with bones. He led me around and among them, a lot of bones. There were bones all over the plain, dry bones bleached by the sun. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Master God, only you know that. So he said to me, prophesy over these bones, over these dry bones, and listen to the message of God. God the Master told these dry bones, watch, I am bringing the breath of life to you, and you are going to come to life. I'll attach ligaments and, and tendons to you. I'll put meat on your bones and I'll cover you with skin. And I'll breathe, breathe life into you. You'll come alive and you'll realize that I am God. So I prophesied just as I had been commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound. There was a rustling. The bones begin to move and come together bone to bone. And as I kept watching, tendons and ligaments formed on them. Then muscles became on the bones. Then skin began to stretch over them. But they had no breath. And he said to me, prophesy breath. Prophesy breath. Prophesy, son of man. Tell the breath. 
I'm prophesying right now. And I'm telling the breath, the spirit of God. Come forth from the four winds. Come breathe. Breathe on these slain bodies. Breathe life. So I prophesied as he commanded. And breath entered them. And they came alive and stood up on their feet. A huge army. A huge army. The word of the Lord is telling me this morning. Wake up. Wake up. For the hour is coming. The time is coming. You might not have tomorrow. You might not have the rest of today. But God says to you, wake up. Wake up, sleeping giant. For I, the Lord, wants to breathe life into your bodies. I want your spirit to be ignited in the holy presence of God. God says, awaken, awaken, sleeping church, awaken, awaken, be restored as you once were. Come alive in your bones. Come alive in your bones. Let the breath of God just exude from you that when people walk around you, they're healed because of the presence of God in your life. Because of the anointing of the Lord in your life. Be on a train going to Chicago. Be sitting right behind somebody that turns around and goes, oh my gosh, I just feel like I need Jesus. Why? Because of the spirit of the living God in you. We're so caught. Did you get somebody saved today? Did you tell somebody about you? I don't have to tell them nothing if God's living in me. That anointing in me is going to pour out over onto the person behind me, in front of me. They're going to sense something different. When God is at work, God is at work. And when you're allowing him to move, you are allowing him to move. So I'm telling you, I know that I know that I know that I know. Not in my heart, not in my head. Right down here in what we used to call our nowhere. I don't know how many of you guys what a know, know what a nowhere is, but it's way down deep in the depth of your soul. When God speaks so close down inside of you, it's not here, it's not here, it's here. And I know that I know that I know that I know this church and everyone in it come into life. These old dry bones, these old dry bones are getting renewed. They're getting revigorated. They're getting re-energized. They're being restored. They're being renewed in the anointing. And there is coming a time on this youth group when I'm going to be up here needing prayer and they're going to lay hands on me. Get ready. Get ready. 
Get ready, Kylie. The Lord's going to use you mightily. Get ready, says God. Get ready. You've been in it for a while, but God says, get ready, Kylie. I'm going to speak to you, and I'm going to tell you what to tell your friends. So you be ready. God says, be ready. Be ready. Do not be lulled to sleep. Do not be lulled to sleep. Do not be caught unaware. Do not be in a sin when the Lord is coming and is re-returns. Don't be sleeping with your brothers, brother. Don't be sleeping with a neighbor when Jesus returns. Don't. Why take a chance? Yeah, God knows our heart, but really, why take a chance? I was doing a little bit of studying, and I'm really just, Interested in kings and, and queens and, and all that, you know. And so I left the poem at home. I thought I grabbed the right book, but I didn't. But I, I was studying a little bit about Queen Gwyn- Guinevere and how, um, Tinny, he was an author. So if you can look it up, it's a great poem. And he wrote a poem or a parable. But he sung it, sung it to her. Well, King Guinevere was married to um, King Arthur. Queen, Queen Guinevere was beautiful. I mean beautiful. It says in history that she was one of the most beautiful queens that there was. Well, and she obviously knew it because she had several gallantries with other men. But yet she was married to King Arthur. Well, in the midst of all of her other men, she also fell in love with Sir Lancelot. And you know, a lot of times we think this is all just movies. This is history. She fell in love with Sir Lancelot, and because of all her tumultuous living styles, she could not bear children because she was married to the king, and that couldn't happen. So she kind of planned her own destiny. She had been uh, getting ready to be um, executed at the stake several times, history says, when she was rescued, and the last time she was rescued by Sir Lancelot. Well, just before her major fall and that of King Arthur, there was a guy in the courts, I think it was the brother and also a cousin to King Arthur, that's kind of creepy, but... He decided that while King Arthur was on to battle and Queen, um, whatever her name is, um, was kind of harlotry. While he was gone, he was just going to take her and take over the kingdom. You know, that's what they did then. When the king was gone, boom, that was it. He'd take over the kingdom. He'd have them killed, whatever. Well, she refused because she was in love with Sir Lancelot. So Tinny writes this poem, and I don't have it all, but I'm just going to give you the gist of it. It's too late. And he sung this to her. It's too late. And he sung, he sung other words, but there were probably 20 words 
It's too late. It's too late. It's too late. And the very end of the poem says, it's too late. And what an awful thing to be told that there's no more hope. It's too late. Can you play this song for me? So the Lord spoke to me and said, look up a song that has to do with Awake My Soul. Lord, we're coming alive when he breathes on us. I come alive.